Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture. A better way, where farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humix Solutions with a human touch. Visit huma.us to learn more. The California Department of Food and Agriculture Fertilizer Research and Education Program is now accepting pre-proposals for the 2024 grant cycle. FREP's competitive grant program funds proposals that advance fertilization and irrigation practices and minimize environmental impacts of fertilizing materials. The 2024 request for pre-proposals includes several initiatives put forth by the department to help effectively manage irrigation water and fertilizing materials in California agriculture. California's agricultural communities are diverse, and many have historically lacked access to resources and information needed to successfully run their businesses. Thus, CDFA encourages projects that include demonstrable benefits for socially disadvantaged farmers and farm workers. Socially disadvantaged groups include those whose members have been subjected to racial, ethnic, or gender discrimination. FREP's funding priorities include outreach, education, demonstration, and research projects focused on increasing the adoption of efficient nutrient and irrigation management practices and technologies, evaluating challenges and barriers to adoption of management practices, the role of organic input materials in soil management, validating management practices that optimize nutrient and or irrigation efficiencies, filling knowledge gaps for nutrient and irrigation management in specific crops, understanding nutrient movement from root zone, and mitigation strategies to reduce nutrient losses. Applicants are invited to submit pre-proposals to FREP by Monday, December 18th. Pre-proposals submitted must align with at least one of the identified priority areas and utilize the pre-proposal template. Further information, including timelines, templates, application criteria, and priority project areas are available on the grant program webpage, which can be found on the CDFA website. All pre-proposals will be reviewed by the CDFA Fertilizer Inspection Advisory Board's Technical Advisory Subcommittee. Applicants whose pre-proposals are selected will be invited to develop full proposals. A grant application workshop will take place via Zoom video 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Time on November 20th. This workshop will highlight the application process and timeline and provide applicants with the opportunity to ask questions. For more information on that Zoom workshop, contact the California Department of Food and Agriculture. A consensus plan agreed to last spring by states in the Colorado River's lower basin should keep sufficient water in the river's key reservoirs for the next three years. Despite the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation reporting an improved water look after 2023 rains, implementing the plan will require farmers to voluntarily use much less water over the next three years. In California, most of the water savings will come from farmers in the Imperial Valley. They're going to be aiming for unprecedented levels of conservation, according to Tina Shields, water manager for the Imperial Irrigation District. The president of a leading California wine grape marketing association says growers in the state need to remove 50,000 acres of wine grapes to balance supply with decreasing market demand. Jeff Bitter, president of Fresno-based Allied Grape Growers, cited several short and long-term factors that have combined to reduce demand for California wine. A longer-term trend is that younger adults are simply drinking less wine. 
They have fragile demand and they have a lot of headwinds, according to Bitter. He said growers may be at risk of having an oversupply of wine grapes. Some 150 water managers, government officials, farmers, environmentalists, and others gathered in Sacramento recently to collaborate on some of the state's most challenging water issues. The Water Education Foundation Annual Water Summit came after heavy rains boosted reservoirs in 2023, following three years of drought that brought water curtailment orders and calls for modernizing the water rights system. Eric Oppenheimer of the California State Water Resources said the water rights system is a challenging system to manage and requires better data collection. USA meteorologist Brad Rippey has the latest on the rice harvest. The final rice harvest report of the season showing the harvest progress reaching 95% by October 29th, one point behind the five-year average, two points behind this time a year ago, Harvest progress has surpassed the 95% mark in five of the six production states. California, however, with the cool summer is lagging a bit, just 75% harvested as we approach the end of October. Five-year average pace in California is 94%. USA meteorologist Brad Rippey. We totally understand and appreciate utilizing tariffs and utilizing trade um, authorities to, um, you know, to protect the interests of American workers, but not on the backs of other American workers. And that's where we find ourselves with retaliatory tariffs being placed on our ag goods. Aubrey Betancourt, Almond Alliance president, talking about the implications of recent tariff hikes on California almonds by Turkey. The move is being viewed by commodity boards and California legislators as a significant setback for American farmers, workers, and the domestic almond industry. Betancourt explains how the tariff situation got to this point. This is tied up in a lot of different um, uh, retaliatory tariff actions that have been taking place around the world for the last, oh, you know, 2018 on kind of time period, even before, depending on where you're looking. Um, And Turkey... Um, is one of our largest markets for almonds. I know, I think it actually is the largest market for walnuts. I'm not going to speak for them, but um, uh, for for trade Um, and is always a top three runner for us, top four, depending on the time of year. Uh, And so coming hot off of the, um, the announcement of reduced tariffs in India, we've been actively working to say, look, that's great. Let's do it again in Turkey. So as we've been ginning up um, education and really trying to uh, reinforce with um, uh, members of the U.S. Trade Representative, as well as USDA and others, the importance of Turkey as a critical market for us, um, we got word from Turkey. They had published in their own um, in their own record that they plan on uh, raising tariffs on almonds. And why does that matter? It's because the tariff on almonds already is 10%, uh, plus you tack on the proposed 15%. You're looking at a 25% tariff on almonds going into Turkey, which is one of our top four markets. So this for almonds is not good. Um, uh, when you when you consider all of the other challenges that almonds and almond market is facing right now, one of the things we don't need is additional trade barriers such as this, especially in our larger markets. The tariff is tied up in a previous Section 232 retaliatory around steel and aluminum, Betancourt said, and Turkey retaliated. However, the new tariff hike Turkey just imposed seemingly came out of nowhere. 
you know, the combined tariff again, being at 25% is like, hey, wait a minute. Um, and it's kind of, this has been that ongoing struggle, I think, in the tariff world for the last, I don't know, a couple of years is I was just describing it to someone. It's kind of like everybody's pointing a gun at each other going, you, I'll put mine down when you put yours down kind of thing. And um, we don't, we need to get out of that cycle. And I think just start making deals here. And, um, you know, we've talked about this before with regards to India uh, and the retaliatory tariffs uh, there and in China that we totally understand and appreciate utilizing tariffs and utilizing trade um, authorities to, um, you know, to protect the interests of American workers, but not on the backs of other American workers. And that's where we find ourselves with retaliatory tariffs being placed on our ag goods. The United States and especially California, which is the epicenter of global almond production, will be disproportionately affected by this tariff hike. Such an increase unfairly benefits other almond-producing countries like Australia, Spain, Uzbekistan, and Iran, giving them an unjustified competitive edge in the Turkish market. You already are dealing with, um, you know, multiple years now where we have increased uh, carryout going from season to season, um, needing to move product as we recover out of the pandemic, uh, and so. You know, that's you also have now global challenges with just the the strength of the dollar and the inflationary points around the world. And so this is kind of in a time where we're looking for any and every place where we can make it easier to move product around the world for a world that does want our product. I mean, the irony here is Turkey all of a sudden didn't decide they don't want almonds. They're still one of the top four markets for us regardless. Um, But, you know, like we've talked about before, we don't have a demand problem. We have a problem getting these products out. Um, and where before we could we could sell, but we couldn't ship. Now sh- selling is getting harder. Um, and the challenge here is, is if if we have tariffs on our on our almonds and we're priced out of the market as a result of that, our, you know, the the it runs the risk of of competitors being able to take our space on the shelf. And we definitely don't want that. So how do we as an industry and as a country get to the point with Turkey, like we just did with India, where retaliatory tariffs on almonds were reduced? So this is where you really have to work your, um, you know, your 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 various departments of, of U.S. government. Um, you have the U.S. Trade Representative. You have the U.S. Department of Agricultural's Foreign Ag Service. Um, you have the Department of Commerce. There's a lot of different players all involved, especially in the world that we're in today, where there's so many other geopolitical factors uh, at play. Um, but, uh, you know, so those are the actors that then actively negotiate in the in trade in trade with other partners around the world. So similar to what happened in India, where you had ongoing Indo-Pacific trade negotiations uh, and the Indo-Pacific framework that was being put together by uh, USTR and by, you know, all of the other trade partners throughout the federal government. Uh, same thing here uh, is as as we are aware, there's ongoing conversations with Turkey. Uh, and as uh, we have found out, um, thanks to the California delegation in Congress, um, they've sent a letter on to U.S. Tr- uh, TR, uh, 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 the Honorable Catherine Tai, uh, and asked her to continue in her negotiations with Turkey to keep this in mind, where once before we were saying, hey, let's knock that 10% tariff down. Now we're going, wait a minute, the stakes just got up. We need you to really up the stakes and up the heat in your negotiation on this 25% threat. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Tallstrom. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. 
Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with Cat Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante. Imagination. Innovation. Science in action. USA's Agricultural Marketing Service has awarded more than $32 million for 98 grant projects to expand and strengthen local and regional food systems. The funding will be distributed through the Local Agriculture Market Program's Farmers Market and Local Food Promotion Programs and the Regional Food System Partnerships Grant Program. USA Undersecretary Jenny Lester Moffitt says these grant programs support local and regional food producers by broadening marketing opportunities such as farmers markets, local food hubs, and farm to institutions programs. This year, the Farmers Market Promotion Program is funding 55 projects that support producer-to-consumer markets, such as farmers markets, roadside stands, agritourism activities, community-supported agriculture programs, and online sales. Through the Local Agriculture Market Program's Farmers Market, 33 projects have been funded to support local and regional food businesses that engage as intermediaries in indirect producer-to-consumer marketing. Through the Regional Food System Partnerships Grant Program, Funds will support 10 partnerships across eight states and the District of Columbia. Total support to agriculture reached record levels of $851 billion per year during 2020 to 2022 for the 54 countries covered by a new organization for economic cooperation and development. The Agricultural Policy Monitoring and Evaluation 2023 report shows the historically high level of support is nearly a two-and-a-half-fold increase compared to two decades ago, though still behind the overall growth of production. Support remains highly concentrated in a few large producing economies, with China at 36%, India at 15%, the United States at 14%, and the European Union at 13% of total support provided. Individual producers receive $630 billion per year in positive support over that period. The report tracks global government support provided by the ag sector, including subsidies, tariffs, and other market-distorting forms of support. Republican lawmakers in the House of Representatives are urging the new speaker to pass a farm bill. In a letter last week to Speaker Mike Johnson, a group of 61 members told the speaker that they urge him and the conference at large to be united in a swift passage of a strong farm bill. The letter notes that more than 92 percent of the nation's planted acres are represented by Republican members. Moreover, in 2022, the food and agriculture sectors contributed $7.4 trillion in economic activity, creating 43 million jobs, $2.3 trillion in wages, $718 billion in tax revenue, and $183 billion in exports stemming from direct, indirect, and induced output. The lawmakers added that the Farm Bill is a critical agenda item that must be addressed as Congress. Before he was elected as Speaker last week, Johnson revealed a priority list that included a December vote on the Farm Bill, pledging to begin negotiations as soon as possible. Unifor has reached a tentative agreement with St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corporation, ending a week-long strike that halted shipping along the route. An agreement was announced at the start of this week following mediated negotiations on behalf of Ontario and Quebec members. St. Lawrence Seaway Management Corporation CEO Terence Bowles says they have in hand an agreement that is fair for workers and secures a strong and stable future for the Seaway. 
The agreement covers roughly 360 uniform members in Ontario and Quebec who work for the supervisory and engineering group and the maintenance operations and clerical group. Specifics of the agreement were not released, but workers did return to work on Monday morning. The Great Lakes St. Lawrence Seaway is a deep draft waterway extending 2,300 miles from the Atlantic Ocean to the head of the Great Lakes at Duluth, Minnesota. The seaway includes 15 locks, 13 in Canada, and two in the United States. Households in non-metro areas are more than four times as likely to lack broadband internet access as households in metro areas. To help bring broadband to rural areas, USA's ReConnect program provides grants and loans to internet providers to help finance the costs of providing high-speed internet through broadband services. Funding areas served by projects must be rural and have 90% or more of households without access to broadband at minimum upload and download speeds. USA Economic Research Service researchers examined ReConnect projects proposed in fiscal years 2019 and 2020, finding that the populations of areas eligible and areas of approved projects tended to have less formal educational attainment, more poverty, and more people over the age of 65. Online grocery carts tend to include less variety and fewer fruits and vegetables than those in a trip to a brick-and-mortar supermarket, but online shoppers are less susceptible to unhealthy impulse buys, according to a new Cornell study. The researchers found that within a given household, Instacart baskets are more similar to each other from week to week than in-store carts, with more than twice as many overlapping items between successive trips to the same retailer. Nutritionally, however, the difference in the baskets can be viewed as a wash. Instacart baskets had 13% fewer fresh vegetables, but up to 7% fewer impulse purchases such as candy, baked goods, and chips. These systemic shopping pattern differences can have implications for consumers as well as retailers. This affects a lot of things like how brands are competing and how grocery markets are competing, according to one of the researchers. And according to digital consulting firm Marketus, around 54% of U.S. households placed an online grocery order in March of 2021, a 328% increase from August of 2019. And even as pandemic era restrictions and behaviors have changed, some people have found online shopping has gone from a necessity to a convenience. For this work, the authors analyze data by Numerator, a market research company which uses a mobile app and takes receipt uploads to analyze brick-and-mortar store purchases and proprietary methods to access Instacart purchases from the same participants. The researcher's algorithm looked at three years' worth of grocery purchases from over 4,300 participants to get a sense of their typical in-store and online carts. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.